Welcome to Gender Meowster Podcast Network. Genderful is a talk show featuring non-binary and trans folks discussing various topics and special interests. We kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of identities. All opinions are the speaker's own. This show airs live on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash gender meowster and VODs with show notes can also be found on YouTube. So, we're going to begin this genderful stream with my trans HRT check-in, and then we're going to switch and start the podcast recording. So, hello everyone, I'm Gender Meowster. I use they-them pronouns. And how many, how much time? I think I'm two months and two weeks on HRT at this point, testosterone to be specific. I wrote down three things to check in about today. So the first thing I'm noticing is my skin is drying out. You actually, if you look close, you can see this red here. My, like the corners of my eyes is really having a hard time. And like this whole area is having a hard time. So the last two days I have been omitting my minoxidil on my face, which is helping me with uh, beard growth and density because my skin is so grumpy. So I've been trying to treat it really nice with um, all sorts of creams and salves and what have you. But there's just a lot of grumpy, itchy face things happening right now. I think it's beyond... I think it's beyond... I think it is beyond just dry skin or acne. So there's that. So I've been thinking a lot also lately about what to tell aging grandparents. Like, you come out... And then what about HRT? What about if you've already come out as non-binary, do you need to tell people that you're on HRT also so that they can prepare themselves for the physical changes you're going to go through? I don't know. So I don't have any good answers. I came out years ago and it's been an interesting journey. I've just had some like events in my life, my personal life in the last couple of weeks that have made me think about my relationship to my grandparents and the older generations and how much to disclose or not. So that's been on my mind lately. The third thing is lots of folks in this community, the Clouder of Meowsters, the Discord community especially, have been grappling with their identities and they're having really rich conversations. As one of the mods likes to say, no egg goes unhatched. <laughs> no egg goes uncracked to this community. So it's been interesting talking about not only gender, but also like disability, neurodiversity, sexuality, especially like demisexuality, and most recently we've added some stuff about plurality and exploring the different types of plurality and what even is that and who might be those things. If you're not in the server, I'll do the command so you can get the Discord invite. It's a great, it's a great space. Just in the last two weeks, and I'm not going to name any names, but I think maybe in the last two weeks three or four people have come out about gender stuff either to me privately or in the Discord space. So it's it's a space that we're trying to curate to be a safe place to explore oneself, one's identities. So anyway, the, that's the update for today. I'm going to turn the music off and we're going to switch screens here and then we'll do the podcast intro. Meowdy folks, and welcome to today's episode of Genderful, a talk show where we discuss gender-related identities and special interests. My name is Gender Meowster. I use they, them pronouns, and I'm your host. And today we have Queen City Q on stream. Hi, Queen. Hi. Hi. 
Can you share your pronouns with the chat, please? Sure. I am a queen to the Q, but you can call me queen for short, and I use they, them pronouns. Awesome. Love it. And for anyone who's just listening to the podcast later, Queen has some excellent eye makeup going on and some nice lip color. It's very lovely. So just some technical notes for the folks in the chat. We are, this is a talk show, but it's also an Ask Me Anything stream. So if you would like to ask questions of the guests, you can type them in the chat and the mods will plunk them into our lovely document of knowledge over yonder. Yeah. So to begin with, may I call you queen? Yes. Yes, you may. Excellent. I like Meowster as a short version of my name or GM, but Meowster's funner. More <laughs> fun. <laughs> so queen, tell us a little bit about yourself. We've maybe name, pronouns, any sort of Twitch handle or anything, pets, hobbies, special interests. Um, We've already gone over. I'm queens of the queue. Um, I say them pronouns. People just call me queen usually for short. If there's a hundred queens in the chat room, which there usually is in queer spaces, some people call me queen city. Uh, but you can find me on Twitch at queen city or queen city to queue. The, as far as like pets, I have my roommates, two cats who I have appropriated as mine <laughs> that nice. I absolutely love as well as a fish named Fish, spelled F-E-E-S-A. <laughs> that my one cat is absolutely obsessed with he literally will just sit and stand like staring at it and we can't put anything on the shelf beside it because he will move it all off so he can sit beside it but he doesn't like try and touch it he just stares at it it's beautiful as far as hobbies gaming is a huge thing for me that's why i came to twitch in the first place i'm really into activism and stuff so i volunteer on a lot of boards especially towards queer rights as well as Recently, I've taken a little bit more of an active role in trying to amplify BIPOC voices. Nice. Love that. That's so cool. Yeah. Other than that, my other hobbies just consist of basically spending time with the cats. (laughs) I love that. I also love spending time with cats. Cats are my favorite creature. It wouldn't be Um, so bad if it wasn't that allergic to them. (laughs) Oof. That's a mood. That's been a conversation with me and multiple people in the servers. I like cats, but also allergic. Very allergic. Oh my goodness, I had a question and it bounced right out of my brain. Nope. I feel that. It's gone. It's gone. Maybe not forever, but it's gone for now. So something else that's perhaps notable is the country you're in. We're in different countries. So I'm in the United yes. States. Yes. And you. And I am I'm all the way up in Canada. The, the neighbors the up country. north. That is the best. We just fake. You just fake. It's not perfect. Yes. Miramie will agree. Canada is not perfect. But it is a lovely country that I have visited and enjoyed. Before we jump into drag and gender, which I'm very excited to talk about, I was wondering if you would share just a little bit about trans and and non-binary stuff and Canada and your sort of experience with that. Yeah. The one thing I will say is Canada definitely is a little bit farther in our journey for gender equality than America is, but we still have our problems. We still have our struggles. I, for one, am lucky enough that I actually have a non-binary piece of photo ID. You can get non-binary-ish passports as well as health cards in my province, which is really lovely. So with our IDs, we actually... 
like yes, your insurance health companies or I guess you don't, I don't know if you have insurance We don't companies, do it. So you yeah, get a provincial health, health card. So my with your provincial health stuff card, is all binary gender. I hate it so much. Yeah. <laughs> so on your health card, they'll actually just leave it off. They just won't put anything there if you they want it non-binary. Wow. Yeah, it'll just be empty. And then that's their compromise. And then with your photo IDs, they actually put where the MNF would be. I love that. I actually do have a state photo ID driver's license situation that is an X. But yeah, the national, any of the national stuff, your social security card, et cetera, it's still binary two genders. Yeah, you can do that with your your birth certificates now. Passports That's just, bad. I believe, happened where they will not put your markers on there at all, which like leads to other problems because it's unintentionally outing yourself in some countries too, or they think you have fake documentation. Okay. But it's the battles we have to pick when you're a non-binary is which, which struggle do you want at that time? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, oh gosh. Once I have facial hair, I don't even admit that'll be a time. I'll have to figure that out. <laughs> I want to have an M or an X or what, but I don't think we have X's on our passports right now. Yeah, the passport thing is throughout the entire country. As far as identify, like identity markers, that's by province, but I believe most of the provinces have already adopted it, and those that haven't are in the means of making that. So it's one of those things where they have it or they're actively working on it and not just like it's on the table, like they're going through the implementation process. And with it being on the passports, that's been a real big shove for our more, say, conservative provinces to realize they have to yeah. acknowledge non-binary people as people. <laughs> we are totally people. It's true. For real. Okay. We're, we're here. <laughs> we're here. We're queer. <laughs> we're not going anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. That's information I didn't have until this conversation. So thanks for knowing <laughs> stuff and sharing with all of us. Yeah, no problem. I believe the Alberta government has made it so that you can have the X about a year or two ago. And that includes your birth record. I know somebody was asking specifically about Alberta. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's also good to know. Okay. Now the questions everyone wants to know. Yes. Tell us about drag and gender. Maybe we'll start with what's like your personal experience with drag and then we can get into the like extrapolating political brainy schma. Yeah. And so for me, drag was how it started for me to doing my like whole drag journey involved me actually believing I was trans. So straight she, she hurt. But the thing is, this was 10 years ago, and one could even argue this is still relevant, but there is still a little bit of a stigma, even in the queer communities, for people who are trans. So I use drag as a safe way to experiment with my gender in a way that I didn't feel I'd be ostracized by my own community, especially considering I had just found it. There's this really weird thing where we celebrate drag queens but we don't cheer as loudly for trans people when a lot of the rights and privileges that we have been getting and that quest for equality that we've been doing is on the backs of trans women. They are the ones lifting us up to get those things. And we are making sure that we are 
on their backs and they're still below us eh, more often than not, which is an unfortunate, ugly truth that I think not enough people are self-aware enough to realize. Yeah, my my very first exposure to drag, which I think is most people's, was RuPaul's Drag Race. And <laughs> upon meeting and falling in love with my trans woman wife, I got mm-hmm. extremely very grumpy at RuPaul because that franchise is not super about the trans woman. No. I I was doing drag, and I'm going to date myself, pre-drag race. Uh, so I remember it coming out shortly when I was starting, and so it hadn't quite hit its stride yet. People involved in the drag scene, it came on their radars and everything, and it was very exciting for us to see any form of representation of drag in a multimedia facet even if it was on a very blurry Vaseline filter for some reason. But my thing with RuPaul's Drag Race is it has done good and it has done harm, and people need to realize that Drag Race in itself can be a very useful tool to expose people to queer culture, but... It's also a sensationalized view of queer culture, and it's watered down to be more palatable for the general masses instead of representing the true world and lives of queer and drag performers as a whole. Honestly, if you want a better experience, watch Dragula, but also that one's also got trigger warnings with it, but at least it's accurate. (laughs) Dragula. I've never heard of that. Is it horror-based drag? So their thing is they're looking for the drag monster. So Dragula is another drag competition, and it is very much on that horror, punk aesthetic of drag. In my opinion, more closer to the true roots of what drag really is. And they don't care who you are, where you came from, what you did, the whole Backstreet Boys shebang there, as long as you love drag and you're performing. <laughs> you just caught on to that, didn't you? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Their last, like last year's winner was a drag king. Nice. They have had non-binary people there. They have had a straight person there. They have had bi people and they have zero shame. And they also have the motto of they don't judge people's drag because it's art and art is subjective and all art is valid. They're just judging their art in relation to that competition and how they want it to relate to that challenge, which is so beautiful. And even though it's like the most punk thing you'll ever watch, and the challenges are very extreme, and again, trigger warnings on that one, it shows me the queer community that I truly believe in. And the one that I I see on the fringes and the ones that I want to see made possible everywhere. I love that. I love that so much. Oh my gosh. Okay. Random question. Is there a name for a like drag regent? Like instead of a queen or a king, is there a third non-binary drag something title? I just say drag performer. Drag performer. (laughs) It's a drag performer. And there's that whole ideology that drag means dressed as girl. And in my opinion, I always say drag means dressed as gender because it really, that's what it is. It's about taking gender and flipping it upside down, sideways, diagonal, and making it something where we can explore gender, we can 
you know, we can mock gender stereotypes, not gender, just the stereotypes, and create a more better understanding through an artistic lens. But another flip side to that is some drag artists don't do that. And it's a very hard balance. And as a drag performer, there has been moments that I know I have slipped up just from ignorance more often than not, but it doesn't combat the fact that I was ignorant. And I'm very lucky to have people in my life who will check me and respected me enough to make me question things. And I'm really grateful for that because it's who I am now. Mm -hmm. But not everybody has the fortune to have those friends that when you are blind to something in your lens, will point it out. And because of that, you do have some problematic aspects of drag where they will mock feminine femininity and instead of finding the empowerment in it and instead of making sure that people don't confuse that the trans experience and the drag experience are very different, try to appropriate experiences of trans women for comedy or humor and make light of very serious things for trans people. And it's really hard to put your foot down and be that voice to stop it. But that is something that I found very important and has put me into certain positions. It's made me walk away from drag temporarily. It's also made me go into leadership positions. But when drag performers are willing to check each other, that's the only way we're going to make change. So you kind of got to be in there and talk to them level to level and hope that they learn. And if they don't learn, that's on them at their point. But we should be leaders, not people with excuses. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit more about how drag and trans experiences are different? They're not, in my opinion, they're not even remotely the same. Mm -hmm. Um, They are two completely separate entities. That being said, that doesn't mean that trans women cannot be drag queens. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that trans men can't be drag kings. I actually know several people who have discovered their gender through the art of drag. I know some trans people who the way they make their living because of just the blatant heterosexism in hiring practices has prevented them from getting other jobs. They either have to go into uh, certain professions that are either very unsafe or they turn to drag as a way to make income, especially in the States where you can make a living doing that. And that's their source of income. And I think to say they can't is just bizarre to me, but the trans involves people being who they are being their authentic selves and there is so much in that experience about the true essence of being a human where drag is more of an expression of feelings opinions about gender that may not necessarily be your own but something you want to express so there's very much a huge divide in that And we have to make those active steps to make sure that people know that is different. Mm Because if we don't, what we do is we trivialize trans experiences and make people think that it's the equivalent of drag, which is used for an entertainment purpose more often than it's not. So you, you mentioned, we were discussing in prep for this stream, about how 
you've done some drag both in Canada and the U.S., and you have a whole story. And I would love to hear your story of being an empress, whatever that is. That sounds so fabulous. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, so we, there's a thing called the international court system. The international court system has chapters throughout all of North America, and people run to be heads of this organization, which is first and foremost to be for raising charity and bringing awareness. And when I, there's a rank system, you work your way up and then you go and uh, you win the popular public vote. And I was actually going to be very done with it when I was a step away. I was like, no, I don't really want to do anything with this. I see a lot of problematic attitudes and problematic things in the community that I don't necessarily want to be a part of. And I don't know if I want that leadership position where I'm leading my community as well as representing my community as much fun as I had with it. And then a year later, I was like, no, there's changes I want to see. And the only way we're going to get them is to do it myself. One of the things I really wanted to do was in Vancouver, they had introduced non-binary drag titles. So for an emperor and empress, they made an empress. For a prince and princess, they made a princette. And I was like, I know that if I don't step in, it won't happen. So I'm going in that leadership position and I'm making that happen. So I went in there and I just messed everything up and it was great because it led to a lot of self-discovery, but I also found a lot of people who had felt that their voices weren't being heard in the drag community. They didn't feel represented. They didn't feel safe. They didn't feel comfortable. They were dealing with the problematic aspects of drag, which is lack of understanding of consent, racism used for humor, sexism used for humor, not respecting people's pronouns properly, as well as just problematic behavior from performers, which included excessive drinking and stuff like that. And the thing is, as I've traveled, I learned that's that wasn't exclusive to my communities, but every community handles it differently. And I'm really glad that at the end of it, we made a more safe, comfortable system. And you can see that happening throughout all of North America, that drag is becoming what it once was, which is a leading force for equality and sticking up for the people that has to be there. But there's still the problem with it being primarily run by cis white dudes um, and the ever-prevalent thing where as a gay white cis dude I've been discriminated against so I cannot be the oppressor because I'm oppressed so if you have struggles I don't need to stop talk about it and it's no we do <laughs> mm-hmm. we have to talk about these things so mm-hmm. um, it's nice seeing that actually yeah because totally I think a lot about I don't know the work that the cis gay and lesbian especially community still has to do around trans and non-binary stuff and it makes me reflect on what is what are my unaware spots what where am i missing information and so for me it's like learning more about the asexual spectrum ace spec communities Mm -hmm. and learning more about BIPOC experiences and more there's a bunch more but those are the two that leap to mind immediately there's always more work to be done there's always more pieces of diversity and inclusion to learn about. It's a never-ending thing. 
And I, I find that progress, not perfection, is really the thing I have to keep in mind with those. Otherwise, I just get overwhelmed with the sheer volume of work there is to be done. And I said this a little bit earlier, but one of the greatest gifts I've ever received is having a friend of a minority group that I was not part of come up to me and tell me when I did something wrong. That is an opportunity to learn. And I think there's a lot of people who, when you find out you've done wrong, your your instinct is to be defensive and almost be like, well, I didn't do that or I didn't mean that to happen, but that doesn't matter. That really mm -hmm. doesn't. The thing is you did that. And the fact that somebody's willing to come up to you to tell you these things is a huge sign of respect to mm -hmm. you it is. that you should not mess up. Yep. And how you don't mess that up is taking from it, learning from it, and don't make excuses. Mm -hmm. Own up to it because people who are, and I'll, I'll do this from a lived experience that I'm sure you've understood as well. As a non-binary person, if somebody comes up to me and they screw up and I tell them, I will be more than happy when I see them go, yep, I did. I will be better and show me the work that they are going to be better and being that active ally opposed yep. to people who's but I've known you for so long. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. It's just a slip. I didn't mean it's, it. It's okay. It's so hard. Spend... It's not grammatical. Yeah. And like, I don't need to hear a 15 minute apology. I right. don't. You're going to make right. it weird. I don't need to hear your excuses because it really doesn't matter. You're basically just doing the, I, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings, but, and like that, but like the minute I hear that, it's just, mm -hmm. wow. Mm -hmm. Just own up and grow. And a lot of the times the people who come to correct you, they, they don't want to hear an excuse from you because they know they don't need one from you because they're coming up to you because they know that this was just a, like a temporary setback, that you're not that kind of person to be malicious and they're wanting to see better. So then just say thank you for pointing that out. Apologize very quickly. It doesn't need to be a book. Yep. And use it to be the better person that we know you can be. Totally. Yeah, that's exactly right. I love that. These are very All good right, I'm things. Out. I love I'm really the things loud. you're saying. You're fine. <laughs> you're totally fine. No, I love it. I love it. I'm I guess I'm feeling a little low energy in this moment. It is not a lack of interest or excitement about the things you're saying. Yeah. There's a reason why my notes is a teacup. <laughs> yes. I don't know much about the drag culture, but that is one of the things I've heard before. Yes. I also and think it's probably not supposed to be called the drag culture. <laughs> it's like people saying the Facebook. Apparently that's coming back. Uh, I mean, drag culture in itself is a culture that kind of cannibalizes other things. Let's be real. Most drag terminology and culture comes from the underground ball scene that's based out of New York and comes from the black communities of New York and the people of color of New York and their terminology and it come and this is a really weird thing is most drag culture that most queer people like use and appropriate for our own actually comes from the black women of color mm -hmm. and black women and women of color that are emulated by trans women who are like letting the women they look up to and then the and this is what i was saying before and then you have these queer people come in and they go, oh, these trans women are doing this, so I'm going to do this while I'm in drag. And then the drag queen's friends, they're gay, go, oh, my drag queen friend's doing this, so I'm going to do this. And then all of a sudden it's queer culture, but like, we took it. 
from somebody. We didn't make that up. It came from somebody else. And I think it's yeah. really important to do that because you can sound ignorant as heck if you don't know where it came from. If I have to hear one person, one person go, oh, this girl is serving me executive realness. If you know anything about ball culture, realness meant where it came from was trans women talking about being passing. So when they said businesswoman realness, they were saying, if this trans woman walked down the street in mid daylight, would people assume that they were assigned female at birth woman who worked in an office building? So when you're saying that about an assigned female woman, you sound stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that example. One of the one of the things I've thought about a lot actually is the cultural appropriation of the queer community of especially black language. Now there are BIPOC queer people. So not the whole, it's not a monolith, right? So not the whole community is appropriating yeah. it, but yeah. I, the volume of cis white gay men who use African-American vernacular English, AAVE, mm-hmm. is alarming to me. Yeah. And the thing is, it's, it's fine to have that intersectionality. And the big thing though, is you need to know where what you're doing is coming from Mm -hmm. when black trans women are using the language that they grew up with and intersecting it with their queer identities that's fine and the white people who've gone to balls when they're using it they know where it's coming from and it's fine it's when it gets watered down so much and then instead of acknowledging where that part of our culture comes from, we claim mm-hmm. it as our own, mm-hmm. that's where you run into the problems. That's right. And it's important to know these things, like know your history and before you start saying stuff, know where it came from. So are there particular pieces of drag history that you'd like to share with us today? Drag has always been a very a big part of queer activism. And it involves it's, it's involved throughout our history. There was trans women who led the way, and then they knew drag queens at the time, and trans women led the way, and some of those women were drag queens too. Like, they were both. Not one or the other, they were both. When it was stuff like Harvey Milk's election, there was drag queens walking around, there was trans women walking around, there was gay white men walking around, everybody was there, but drag queens get more exposure. They get yeah, more attention. They do. So that's why they've always been that vocal face for the community. And I think what some drag performers have forgotten, just because they've gotten their education from RuPaul and not from their culture, just because the way things evolved is when you decide to do drag, you become the face of our community. And because of that, you need to know our history because you become our storytellers. You need to know what the pulse of your community is because you're the voice that amplifies loudest. Mm -hmm. And you need to know our history because somebody's got to teach the children and they sure as heck aren't listening to Joe Schmo at the club. They're looking at the person who's telling that story through song and dance and performance art so something i've seen or heard a little bit about 
that I would love to hear more. I don't know if you have any experience with this, but are there examples of like mentorship with drag? I've heard rumors that there can be lineages and a whole, there's a whole thing. What is that? Can you tell me more? Drag families are literally like the definition of those like redneck families you hear. It's, oh, but this is their cousin, but this is also their mom, but this is their sister (laughs) that you see everywhere. But it really does become a, a family experience. Families fight and everything. There's drama, and but there's usually that person teaches you what you do and gives you that education because before YouTube days, the only way you learned about makeup and walking around in heels and the wigs and everything was somebody else teaching you how they did it. And it was just sharing information. And because you did that, you ended up making these little families. And the families I came from in Winnipeg were, were a lot. <laughs> there was basically four main ones. But you really did act like a family. We would meet up two to three times a week and just spend time with each other and talk about makeup, talk about performances, plan stuff together. And then we'd also do like extracurricular stuff. And we would do stuff like lion's denning, which is basically what it sounds like is we would go out to the clubs on the Friday, the Saturday, some of us the Thursdays, and then everybody would pass out at a house party but Sunday at 6 a.m. And you'd all wake up, we'd all crawl on one couch in this huge cuddle puddle of like 20 of us, watch Netflix, order food, and just not move because everybody was hungover. And that was ritualistic to me. That's something I knew was going to happen every single Sunday. I didn't know whose house I'd end up with. But on Saturday, I'm going to bring, like, comfortable clothes because I'm going to pass out at someone's house and we're going to order way too much food that we shouldn't be eating uh, to recover from an entire weekend of being the party. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I still have people who I call my sisters that I call my mom. And they are like that to me where I want to punch them in the face, but they're family. So I gotta love them mentality. And it it fits that way because they're the ones who teach you everything that you wish your parents could have, but they couldn't because your straight parents don't know the queer experience. You know, when you have the talk with your parents and they're explaining their talk and you're not straight, you don't know that stuff. And they didn't teach it in sex ed at all. I still think they don't. But Mm -hmm. then I know you would go to your gay parents and your gay parents would be the ones who'd be like, okay, so the first time, blah, and you're like, mm, okay. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. I love the the mentorship and the the passing on of culture in community. Related to some of the things you were just saying, I wonder if you know anything about any drag queens who are sober and what that experience might be like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what's... Tell us more. Did... What's that? So I've been like sober a few times. Like I've gone sober for a year or so and then I started drinking and partying again, and then I went back to sober and I've been sober for over a year now. But there's definitely there and there's the problem with that in drag culture is as I've said, when you're in drag you're the you're the life of the party. So there's a lot of expectations for you to be drinking and celebrating and libations all around. And you don't but there is that expectation and I can't say how many times that I've been at the bar and been somebody's been like, I'm gonna buy you a shot and I I don't want the shot. And they're like, No, it's fine, I'm not gonna do anything with it. It's just like a friendly shot and I'm like, No, it's it I don't drink. Yeah. 
And then people get mad and they get they feel insulted, but they got to realize that there's nothing wrong with being sober and you can party just as hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, your feet just hurt more <laughs> in those heels. <laughs> you got to pack the anti-inflammatory. Yeah. Um, actually, there's a thing that we do called fridge shoes, which is you, as it's exactly what it sounds like. You put your heels in a freezer and then put them on. And it's amazing because it's basically a cold compress for your feet. So if you're wearing more than one shoes, let's say you're at a hotel, doing a hotel show, you just throw them shoes in the freezer and then take them out before you go on. And it's like a nice refresher. That is <laughs> so brilliant. I wish I had thought about that any time I ever wore heels in my life. Never, not once did I think of that. So that wow. we came up with by accident because we couldn't find a shoe rack. And as a joke... <laughs> The person I was rooming with threw their shoes in the freezer and we forgot until we had to go on. And they're like, this is the best thing ever. (laughs) Wow. That's like all of the best inventions are totally by accident. (laughs) I love that. Oh my gosh. Frozen drag shoes. I love that so much. We have several more questions here. Let's see. So let's see. Can do you, would you like to tell us more about... Or do you have anything more you'd like to say about how drag helped you realize you were non-binary? Or do you feel like you already covered that? Um, kind of. I, I don't think I got all the way there. But for me, I did drag thinking I might be a trans woman. And it didn't quite match up. Because I went for, and this was back in the 2000s, where the goal was to be passing. So there was less drama and the makeup and the costumes and more about being a passable woman and I did that and it felt right but not a hundred percent correct and then I gave it up because just something didn't feel quite right there and I enjoyed it but not that much and it's expensive and then I ended up coming back to it in the future and playing with a little bit more and that's when I discovered non-binary people uh, and started talking to them and I clicked in this is me this is more relatable and I was getting more there and I was getting more there and I was getting more there and then the first time I ever received gender euphoria was actually because I had a performance where I ended up having to wash my drag face off because something exploded my face and I couldn't keep it on because drag can be messy mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and so I was in drag from like here down but here up I wasn't and all of a sudden like I was feeling better I was showing my real face and not this mask that I was putting on for entertainment purposes mm-hmm. and it was starting to feel right and I felt euphoria and it was nice. this amazing experience and I had a friend there and I like was starting to like weep because I had never felt it before and it was just like such an amazing sensation and then somebody came up and told and made a joke about me looking like a rough dude in a dress and it just went boom. the transphobic jokes boo yeah and I think like in this is one of those things where we have to make that different like the, that differentiation between like drag and gender is they thought it was a joke because drag but not in it anymore but in the clothes like ha 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 but they like ruined that moment and I've always told somebody that the wor- there's a thing worse than gender dysphoria in my opinion they didn't understand it when my friend said it at first until I experienced it it's when you get gender euphoria and the moment it goes away to me that was worse than having dysphoria because dysphoria is like this small 
dull pain you live with every day. Mm-hmm. And then when you have euphoria and it goes away, it's that knowing what good feels and then not having it anymore. And yeah. that stung so much more and I was not ready for it. Yeah. Because at least with dysphoria, I was ready. <laughs> That's how I feel every time I turn off the Zoom meeting and I see my face in the mirror and the the Zoom beard is gone and I'm back to this. I'm like, oh, yeah. I was so handsome with the Zoom beard, though. I get that. So Wholesome Abbey wrote, I remember a post from a few years ago about the lack of non-bar queer spaces. Like, there are gay bars, but rarely do you find a gay bookstore. It's hard to find those places. So my question for you is, where besides bars have you done drag? Queer bookstores, queer gaming spaces, anything else like that? Have you? I don't know if you have, but I would love to hear about it. A park? A city center? I've yeah, hard. I've done drag in a city hall. <laughs> awesome. I've done it in schools. Are you ordained? No, I'm not. <laughs> because I am not doing ordained. drag wedding thing would be the coolest thing ever. There's somebody in our city that does it, but I don't think with my beliefs the way they are, I could do that because I wouldn't want the experience to be sensationalized. I'd want it to be authentic. And I feel like some people would make a gimmick out of it. And I think it's very important to respect religion mm-hmm. and drag and gender. And I find that sometimes when people mix them, they do it in a mockingly non-respectful way. Mm-hmm. And as much as I believe I could do it in a respectful way, I don't necessarily feel that some of the attendees would. And that's not a line that I want to cross. Um, that is a nuanced and very fair point. So that's just my opinion on it. But yeah, like I've, I love it. And the biggest problem with a lot of times having drag in non-bar settings is some people do drag as their sole purpose of income. And when there's no further income coming in from it, they don't want to do it because an artist time is money pay your artist full price all artists not just drag yep. artists yeah but if you can't make the money for it that's where your problem is oh i've also done drag in a library nice I forgot to add that one <laughs> i've done but... pop-up partner dancing in a library oh, libraries <laughs> are great <laughs> we had earbuds in that were synced up over radio waves that's cute it was super that. cute so speaking of drag and religion, do you have any thoughts on the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence? I was a member of the Sister of Perpetual Indulgence and helped start up the one that we have here. I came up with her name <laughs> of the chapter. That is so cool. And I love the sisters and what they stand for, which is radical acceptance. Yes. But when we started, I don't think some people understood the difference of being lighthearted and showing that love and acceptance and the radical acceptance, the radical providing of safe spaces and education and talking, which I thought was so beautiful. And some of them did want to do it to mock the Catholic Church. And Mm -hmm. that made me uncomfortable. And that's why with my particular chapter, I took a step back and then I ended up focusing on the Empress thing instead. And that organization's not like that now. That kind of got fixed up there. 
But that's the thing that to me is very important is that it's good to be able to be lighthearted and take a joke and stuff every once in a while, but it doesn't mean we should insult people. And that doesn't just mean not insulting queer people. That means because you got to remember, like, some queer people are Catholic. Yep. Some queer people are Christian. So you can't. I went to, like, I went some to seminary church- with some uh, sisters, actually. Maybe it was their partner was one of the sisters, but yeah. yeah. And like I've met them. Some they some exist. churches are some church like some churches are queer accepting, and we can't yeah. just mock them because you also got to remember you're mocking people in our community too. It's like those people who mock, you know, bi couples on the street at Pride and say we shouldn't have straight couples there, not realizing those are two bi people or that is a trans woman there and that is a member of our community yeah. that you're mocking because that's just yeah. your lived reality. <laughs> yeah. It's totally a thing. Like, I'm transmasculine and my wife is a trans woman. And the more, the longer I take HRT, the more like a cis couple we will look. But we are yeah. so queer. Yeah. And like, that's why it, it, it bothers me so much when people, are like, when people are like, no straights at Pride. I'm like, trans people can be straight. But that's a whole thing about the farther back on the alphabet you get, the less acknowledged you get, which yep. I can write a book on that one. I believe it. It's so cool that you helped to start a local chapter of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Yeah, the Breadbasket Sisters. I could just cry. Um, that makes like, me so happy. <laughs> we, trust me, we did the we did the sacrilegious jokes and stuff behind us. Like we joked about saying the body of crust. Oh, funny. So, I, like it, it's fine. But again, it's just you got to remember that just. Having your fun doesn't mean you should have to knock other people down, especially if they're not necessarily somebody you agree with. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're wrong for having those beliefs. Some of them are, but not all of them. Yeah. Do you want to tell us more about your your efforts to make non-binary drag more of a thing in your city and the spaces that you curate or participate in? Yeah, I think it's really inclusive. Like, it's really important to be. It's really important to try and always be inclusive, especially, and this is a really important thing, just because there is not a visible non-binary person in the room or a visible non-binary performer in the room doesn't mean you shouldn't acknowledge them because they could be in that room and you're stopping them because Mm -hmm. you are showing you don't give a heck when they're not around. There's a huge thing where, especially with people who are a little bit older, a little less educated, who do things where they only see ladies and gentlemen, or as times evolved, they've, you know, tried being more inclusive by saying ladies and gentlemen and all other people. But for so long, the only way that ever came out was usually by a punchline. Mm. And when I do shows, if I see anybody do that, I will scratch out their, like, introductory card i will take it and i will scratch it out usually in front of them and be like not funny we'd have people who'd be like oh ladies and gentlemen and this person and i'm like so we're and i would go and i'd go to them and be like marking it out and i'd be like so this is why we can't do this Mm -hmm. because what you're saying is that this person is a joke to you yep and that if you're not male or female you're a joke You're not intentionally trying to say that, but you are. And then you'll get those people who are like, it's too many words. And say y'all, say everybody. 
I yeah. said hello heathens. That was my thing. I always said hello heathens. You, it's not as challenging as people think it's gonna be, but it's so small and can mean so much to so many people. If I ever did drag, I would greet everyone, ladies and gentle them. See, and even that, there's some non-binary people who hate it. Yeah, I'm one of them. I will. <laughs> I did not like ladies and gentle thems. The only reason for that is because I still feel like I can put non-binary on us, like on a male-female spectrum, and there's some people who need to get out of that mentality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because I've said that, and like I've honestly had conversations with people who are like, then it's still like a boyish or girlish. I'm like, it's neither. Mm-hmm. So that's why I have a problem with that is because I've had to have those talks. And it, there was a while of me being like, okay, I need to stop doing this because some people are dense. One, we'll of, really one of my favorite greetings is meowty folks. See, I love that. Like, I love when <laughs> like, I love stuff like that. Especially if there's puns, but that's also in like the card, right? There's the whole like non-binary thing. It's like, you got to love puns and you got to do finger guns. Like you don't <laughs> hey. have an option. <laughs> it comes with it. They're like, oh, you're non-binary. Here's your book. Here's your instructions on finger guns. And you're going to like puns now. We like puns so much. It's one of our five tier one emotes on this channel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, so I always love me a good one like that. But that's the thing is you can actually do so much more just by making a general statement. Also, the whole idea of just being, like, formal and saying, like, ladies and gentlemen or dear mister and all that stuff to me just seems stupid because there's no reason to do it. Mm-hmm. Formality is stupid and overrated. It's And if you get really deep into it, like, formality and, like, business professionalism and stuff like that all has to do with, like, colonialism and keeping people of minorities down. But it's really long, but it has to do with keeping people uneducated and then making it so that people who are not as educated because they don't have those opportunities given to them stay down and never have the chance to. And it's, yeah, there's papers and stuff. But a lot of that kind of stuff, like Mr. Miss and like Ms. has to do with patriarchal stuff. and Ownership of people, marital status and ownership. Exactly. Like, just start saying y'all start saying folks and i'm not the hugest fan of the term partner because i think there's much better things to say such as smoosh face but i do like it in comparison to like mr and miss and the only reason i don't like partners because it sounds too formal i like stupid stuff like smoosh face so my wife and i are married and since i'm non-binary the husband and wife words don't apply to me so we came up with the word infinite see that's adorable i love that but yeah, like partner just sounds to me like a business arrangement. Technically, marriage is betting somebody half your stuff, you'll love them forever. But let's not put it that way. <laughs> my my wedding ring has the infinity symbol on it. A bunch of times. Yes, I love that. It's so cute. I love, I love it so that. hard. <laughs> Yay, love. Okay. The other question that we got from the chat, I saved for towards the resources, anything else we want to make sure we hear from you section. Mm-hmm. So Mermaid Cafe asks, can you give us three specific actions that cis folks can do to support trans folks in drag spaces? And I'll add, is there anything else you'd like to make sure folks know about your perspective on gender and non-binary or trans issues, especially in regards to drag, but also anything else that might be on your mind? Yeah, so with cis folks, don't assume everybody in that space is drag queen or drag king just because they don't look like what you would consider like a passing person. Don't. 
you'll know if somebody's a drag queen or not, but don't just assume all the time. Because I've definitely seen trans women enjoying a drag show, enjoying their space, and having cis people go up to them and be like, when are you performing? Mm. And watching that joy come out of them. Yeah. Because they felt the that they weren't being treated respectfully as their authentic selves and that they were just somebody to watch in the show and not saying that this is the way that people might necessarily feel but when you want to just live your life you don't want to feel like you're supposed to be in the center of the limelight Mm -hmm. so just don't the other thing you can do is when you see transphobia in drag spaces even if it's the drag performer call that shit out after you have made sure anybody who seems upset or feels unsafe is taken care of. And this is important for anything. Anytime any form of oppression happens, whether it be a racist remark, an alter- a physical altercation, any heterosexism at all, a lot of people's reaction is to fix the problem. Your first reaction should be the person who is harmed make sure they are safe make sure they feel safe and comfortable then deal with the issue because if you're so busy trying to deal with this issue that person is still in that harmful environment you're not helping in fact most times you're making it worse (laughs) so always do that and then the last thing i would say is just don't be complacent with the way things are don't and this is going to be something that might be controversial if you see people who are having shows that are only cis white dudes and that is the entire cast of this drag show there's trans performers out there there is black indigenous and people of color who perform drag If they're not there, there's probably a reason. And you might want to reconsider supporting the all-white AMAB drag show. Because there's probably a reason that there's no representation in that show. Question it. Always. And don't be scared to be loud about it. Because sometimes it'll just be like they have a bi-weekly rotation and it just so happened that those were the three people on it or whatever but if you're noticing they're doing a monthly like a monthly show with a rotating cast and you never see a person of color you never see a trans performer you never see a female performing whether it be a female dude being a drag king or a female doing drag queen or non-binary you should probably evaluate that show yeah yeah so i think those are really great suggestions i appreciate them we have a question from awesome chips with two z's coming from an nb who's used to thinking of drag as binary how does one participate in drag if you don't enjoy the terms drag queen and drag king we kicked around drag performer earlier i usually tell people drag performer drag artist and like when i talk about events i've started making a very 
very conscious effort. And I, I still mess up every once in a while too, to try and say, we have drag performers going to be here. Not, oh, we're going to have drag queens and drag kings or whatever. Like just say drag performers. I think sometimes we get a little too worried about trying to include everybody by adding more words where sometimes adding less is better. So that's why get rid of the king, get rid of the queen, just say drag performers. That's everybody. Mm-hmm. Just focuses everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I still feel partial to the idea of a drag regent just because I want to be royalty as well and not just something like a performer. <laughs> see, I, the only reason I don't like regent is because like with the emperor saying it does mean something. Um, oh, Surprise me context. because if I ever was regent, that would mean I'd have to do it again and I'd die that I get it once. <laughs> about monarch. Um, yeah, like when we, when we talk monarch. about... When we talk about like our emperor, empresses, empresses now, we say the monarchs. Like our language is the monarchs. And then like for prince, princess, princess, it's highness. For duke, duchess, duchette, it's grace. So there is like different wording you can use. So you could say drag monarchs and that's what we use in the ICS when we're talking about like all three. I'm trying to write all of those down. Duke, duchess, I can, grace? I can definitely write it for you. So for duke, duchette, it is grace. For Prince, Princette, it is Highness. And for Emperor Emprex, it is the Monarchs. Whoa. And like, if y'all are interested in the ICS, def- if you're in a bigger city, you probably have one. I mean, that's pretty much everywhere in North America. There's even a chapter in Mexico. There's one in Hawaii, and I really want to go to the like, events in Hawaii because apparently they like at resort ends but check them out you probably have a local chapter the ics and if anybody wants to reach out to me and has questions about it definitely reach out it's a lot to go in but they're i think it's really cool that their focus is education representation charity and almost every single one has a scholarship program so if you are a gender diverse person looking for money for school they probably have a scholarship program and probably not enough people sign up for it because that seems to be a problem with all of them. Get that coin. You deserve it. So you're telling me I could learn to do drag in a family of drag performers and then Mm -hmm. they will all work together to raise money through the international court system for various drag performers to apply to go to school. Depending on what, what chapters you're in. a family. Yeah, it's a really... And, like, I have met so many amazing people through the ICS, and that's why I've traveled as much as I have, and I've gotten to experience queer communities by the queer community, not by, here's the travel guide. And the thing is, you don't have to be a... Like, you don't have to be a performer to volunteer, to get the scholarship, anything. One of my... Like, some of the people who I considered completely instrumental in my year when I was involved with the court never performed once but they if I didn't have them I wouldn't have made that money and I wouldn't have done the good I did and I probably would have had more of a mental breakdown than I did Uh, and I can I would say of the scholarships we ended up giving out maybe like a quarter of them even performed wow that's so cool I want to cry again (laughs) That's such good news. <laughs> like, yeah, if anybody wants to find out if they have a local chapter, they they have a website and it's a stupid one because it 
I hate what it's called, but I'll figure out what it is. It's a .org. But you can do that or just reach out to me. I'm pretty easygoing. If I don't get back to you, it's I'm probably sleeping. Um, I'll be honest. I, um, I am leaving spots in our show notes for these hyperlinks for folks to look at. So if you get a chance to send those over, then I will add them to the show notes and they'll appear both on YouTube and in the podcast show notes. So their scholarships would all be done directly through them. So you just have to find your local chapter, which you can find there. Like they have a section where you click in there, you can see the court calendar, you can see the products they have going on. They work really hard with the Harvey Milk Foundation, the Trevor Project. Our founder actually has, there's a, a memorial on at Stonewall for people who've moved forward the the rights movement and the person who started the organization jose in san francisco their name is on it Mm -hmm. so like it's been doing good work for a while (laughs) and with covid it's of course been a little bit harder but Mm -hmm. with any organization there's always issues but the thing is you will usually find somebody in that organization who at least one person, if not a multitude, who they don't care about wearing jewels, they don't care about making themselves have a fancy title or sound more impressive than they are, that really just want to help their community and see it grow and foster. And even if they seem busy or whatever, if you reach out, somebody's going to be more than happy to help you and take you under the wing and try and at least point you in the right directions to show you the ropes. At least that's what I found because... When I was an 18-year-old Gaby, that's where I found my community was I found those people who were walking around in these crowns and stuff, not knowing what the heck they were doing, and they took me under their wing, and that's how I became who I am today. Some of my best friends come from that system because overall, it's it's a bunch of people throughout all of North America who just want to make a difference for their community, and it's beautiful, really, that there's an organization with so many members who just want to make a difference. Wow. I love that. There's such a lovely mix of kindness and thoughtfulness in the drag community from what I've heard from you today. You'll find parts of it that aren't that way, but for every bit of darkness and ugliness, you're going to find beauty and you're going to find the right people. And I've just been very fortunate to find most of those people in the international court system. So I've added links for the Jose Julio Saria International Scholarship and the Boulay Brothers Dragula to our notes for the stream. Are there any other resources you'd like to recommend? And then the second question I have is, are there specific queens, kings, or non-binary drag performers that you would like to invite people to check out? Are there particular folks you want to shout out? Uh, maybe for basically every Twitch single streamers city I know. or, or <laughs> for in every person. single city I, I can think of somebody. They all have mm-hmm. their own scholarships. So find your local chapter. I do have my favorite cities. I'm not going to lie. Of people who I find exceptional, like Las Vegas' community is great. Phoenix's community is ex- exceptionally amazing. Like Chris and Eddie and Olivia and all of them that I've met through there have been some of the most amazing and revolutionary people I've ever met and they inspire me to no ends. 
Minneapolis's community is fantastic. San Francisco's is great. Long Island, like I could go on about all the places that there are. Basically, every city in Canada. I have not met a single chapter in Canada where I haven't fallen in love with at least half the people there. <laughs> There's a lot of really good people there. You just need to go out there, and with the sources that we have there, you can find each chapter's like websites and find out where they're doing events and where to follow them and their own individual state or provincial scholarships programs events all that stuff and i believe it was maybe two years ago the titular had actually made it official that like it's everywhere like the gender neutral titles are just recognized everywhere places who aren't doing it they're doing it now whether they like it or not <laughs> we've come a long way that's so awesome i love that we're getting up towards the hour. We maybe have time for one more question from the chat, but in the meantime, what sort of, what would you like to promo on stream today? What do you want to tell us about? What are you up to? How can we support you and shower my, you with my, love? <laughs> my biggest thing that I do is I'm on Twitch like five days of the week. <laughs> I do different themed months. So I have horror theme nights. I have a monthly changing theme night. I do retro nights, I do stuff like that. So I do seeming, like right now we're doing our halfway to Halloween, so I'm paying twice as much horror as, real, as normal. So like half my content's horror right now, but it's not necessarily. And then I also do a podcast every second Sunday, which you're going to be on in I the am. very, very near future. We're going to be talking about Dungeons & Dragons. But it was Tabletop just games a, in general, but yes. <laughs> but it's it was a podcast I made because I wanted to make a space where people who are in the gender, sexually, and relationship diverse communities can be together in what we are passionate about, where we can talk to each other without having to explain everything all the time and having to be on education mode. Because like I have no problems doing it, but it is also very tiring for a lot of people. But I wanted a place where we, instead of being you know defined by our traumas and our trials and all the things we go through we can just be passionate about what we love so do we talk about politi political stuff and gender stuff yes but mostly the focus is just let's talk about how we are amazing people with these passions that put us in these nerdy geeky spaces and focus on that because we just deserve a place to just be and we have had some really interesting topics and conversations on that one we've definitely done a panel where because we usually do a tier list where we did a tier list of all the animal crossing support characters based on their thirst art <laughs> so we do have interesting content so is um, your podcast 18 plus then yes <laughs> i do <laughs> uh, it, it is my entire channel is 18 plus just because I do play horror games and I do get scared and I do drop F-bombs when I'm terrified. That's fair. There's also don't lots of guns doing shooty things. Yes, there's some of that too. Actually, I don't like first-person shooters that much, surprisingly. Uh, but First-person anything think, makes me queasy. You're not the only person who said that, and I know that, which is partially why I don't play it as much, probably. But yeah, it's just a place I wanted to make that was cool, fun, relaxed. And we could just be our nerdy queer selves without the focus being our queer selves. Because that's where I find most of the stuff when you go into nerd culture and stuff like that. And you're going to see it a lot in the next month. 
mm-hmm. how it's going to be like, okay, we're going to talk about RPGs, but as a gay person, make a gay, and you're like, but I wanted to show you my dice collection. I'm um, very tempted to grab my mountain of dice that's right there, but I will wait until next Sunday. <laughs> we'll do that on yes, your stream. <laughs> it'll be really, um, I actually have a really cool set of dice my friends made for me that have she shells in them. Okay. Cool. Um, I should probably get her information because I think she's taking orders too. But nice. Yeah, yes. Promo podcast. the friends dice for real. Well, and she, and she'll literally make you anything. If, I know she she made a Harry Potter house themed sets of dice, which is great because if you have attachment to Harry Potter, you can get Harry Potter for paraphernalia without supporting J.K. Mm-hmm. Rowling because F turfs. Like, yep. I'm gonna say a really like a pun. What do you call it when you JK rolling in a rocket and send it into space? What do you get? AstroTurf. AstroTurf. Uh, I love it. I missed sorry, the F when I typing it, but that's fine. <laughs> AstroTurf. Queen. Um, Is there anything yeah. else you'd like to share before we let you get your stream running so we can raid you? No, I just, if anybody wants to reach out for me, you can meet me in uh, Gender Master's Discord, or you can go to my Discord, or you can just send me a DM. I'm really open to talking to people and everything like that. If you have a question that you think might be too far, I will be honest, I'm pretty okay with those, and if it is inappropriate, I will like... But, yeah, like, I try to be approachable. I love educating people, so if you have questions, reach out. I can give you my desperate information later to put in the notepads, but, and yeah, that's basically it. And also, if you are non, a non-binary person in a drag scene and you want to do a non-binary art, or if you are an AFAB person who wants to be a drag queen and you are not feeling validated or accepted in your locations, you're not alone. There's other people out there. You're worthy of respect you are just as talented as every other artist in that room and if people are not giving you that respect just give me a call and i will round up a posse to make sure people know that you belong in that space because art is subjective and can be done by anybody and should be appreciated by anybody and you are so valid in those spaces and I, for one, will not let you feel like you aren't. And if that space doesn't exist, we will make you one. I already yes. felt affection for you before this conversation, and now <laughs> it has grown three sizes. <laughs> I love this so much. I love that, that you have, like, countless drag performers in your pocket you can reach out to and be like, non-binary hype squad activate and send all the supporters in any city that is big enough to have an ICS chapter (laughs) unless the thing is if I don't know somebody I can probably find somebody through a friend like we will find you a place to belong and if we're gonna judge you we're gonna judge you on like your outfit falling apart not on who you are as a person (laughs) yeah judge you on your actions not your identities exactly Yes. Oh, I love that so much. All right. Shall I let you get your stream going and I will quietly vamp while you get your stuff sorted out? Yes. I will see you all around in a little bit. Thank you. It's been a pleasure having you here, Queen. Thank you so much for joining us today.
Okay. Bye, everyone. Hugs and love to all of you. Thank you.